we are starting a uh, new uh, series over the next uh, three weeks, uh, looking in the book of Habakkuk. And um, uh, Habakkuk, uh, uh, or Habakkuk, uh, whichever way you pronounce it, that I, I don't know which one is right. I've heard both, and and uh, I even go back and forth. But uh, 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 he is one that dealt with things that we deal with. And um, I, I think that's why it, it's, it, it fits it in right in with what we are going through. And not just now, but always. I mean, I, I think some of you have dealt with this even before this crisis came on. But, but there's always this time where we ask, why do things happen the way they do, God? You just don't seem to be fair. It doesn't seem to be right. And um, we, we have these feelings um, of not understanding how God can do uh, what he does. I mean, I mean, we think of, you know, why do people that, that don't even care about God and yet they prosper so well? Uh, we think of people that live lives of uh, debauchery and, and wickedness and yet they live to be 80 and 90 while, uh, you know, the, the, the good mom and dad dies at 40 of cancer. Um, we, we see those people that raise their kids they love them, um, uh, they do everything right, and yet they end up with such a mess. And yet there's others that, that have a family that you wouldn't even want to walk into, and the, yet those kids seem to grow up and become prosperous, uh, well-adjusted kids. And we're like, how can that happen? Uh, I mean, we think of things that, you know, financially, we try and do everything right, and we give to the Lord, and yet it, it seems like people that don't even care make way more than us. And it seems like everything just uh, uh, seems to fall in line for them. We have these questions uh, all the time. And this is the, the real question that we ask as we go through Habakkuk. What do we do when the things that we see don't line up with the things that we have believed? And that's what Habakkuk dealt with. The things that Habakkuk was seeing in his day, very similar to ours, he lived in a, uh, a place that was called by God, raised up by God, established by God in Israel and Judah, um, and uh, it was based on God, and yet he was seeing the corruption and the move away from God, and yet they were prospering. Nothing was happening. Very similar to what we live in, because we live in a nation that was established on God. Uh, and no matter what people try and uh, forget the way it was, we were founded uh, on the belief in God and, and focused on God and acknowledged God. And yet now we have moved away from that. And, and there is a rejection of that. And yet we see people prospering. We see people uh, getting uh, uh, their way. And, and it seems like they have much more pleasure in life than those of us who are trying to stay true uh, to God, and so those questions come up. So we're going to go through that in this in this study over the next three weeks. So just to give a foundation, um, Habakkuk uh, was a prophet. Um, he was one of twelve in the Bible that we call minor prophets. Uh, it does not mean that uh, uh, you know what they just didn't make the big time. Uh, they they just uh, weren't that big of a deal. Uh, they didn't do that great of a job, and so they're just kind of minor. That's not what why we call them that. Um, uh, the 12 books that we call minor prophets are simply because they are smaller in, 
in essence and in, and in content. Um, they're smaller books, and, and so we call them minor, although their message is far from being minor. Um, Habakkuk, we really don't know a whole lot about, probably the least of all the other minor prophets. Um, what we do know is that more than likely he was a temple musician, uh, so very active in the temple, and later became a priest, uh, so he was uh, of the line of Levi. Um, and then uh, from that, we know that God called him to be a prophet. Uh, he wrote and lived uh, at a time uh, about 600 BC, um, so this is about 600 years before Jesus, um, give or take a little bit, we don't know exactly. Uh, it was probably uh, a little bit later than Isaiah and a little bit before Jeremiah uh, uh, in, in the time frame. Um, and we know that the big message that God gave came to give Habakkuk was that I love my people but they have become increasingly wicked and for their own sake, I am gonna punish them. Uh, I am going to bring the consequence upon them that I promised that if they did not follow me, that this would happen. And above that, I am gonna use people that are more evil than you to destroy you. And, and this was uh, the, the message uh, that God had for Habakkuk. Now, uh, First of all, before we even get into it, the word, the name Habakkuk, and we know that this was very important in Bible days, that their names meant something. And um, he may even uh, have been given this name later, uh, but because uh, many times uh, the name represents uh, what this person's personality and character has become. But the name Habakkuk uh, itself means to embrace and the embraces is not a, a uh, not only uh, a hug, but it is an embrace of wrestling. The name Habakkuk means to wrestle with someone, to grapple with someone, to embrace them, uh, and to hold on to them. And uh, so we're going to see that this this is the personality and character, and it's really the challenge for us as we look at Habakkuk um, that he actually does this, and we are called to do this um, uh, as we face these type of situations and questions in our life. Um, when we think of the book of Habakkuk, it's not necessarily what we expect, or it's not what we're comfortable with. Because most of us, how many, how many of us love uh, to watch TV? We love sitcoms. Um, um, I think all of us do, most of us do. Um, and there's so many that uh, we can remember back in the day that, you know, the uh, Brady Bunch and, and all the different ones that we, we watched, uh, 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 not just sitcoms, but dramas and, and TV shows, but pretty much in all the different styles. Um, we loved watching them because as we watched them, um, there was a introduced theme of uh, crisis. In every episode, there's always something that happens which brings tension. Um, and, and of course, they weave humor through that so that, that, uh, that in the middle of tension, there's humor. And, and uh, as we deal with it, uh, we see the lighter side of that. Um, but in the end, as we watch it, uh, at the end of the episode, it kind of all gets wrapped up in a pretty bow and we, we, um, we solve it and move on. And um, uh, and it's done. 
You know, we all like sitcoms. And I think we all like sitcom sermons. Uh, we like to come and hear a message. We like to read the word of God. And, and we understand there's going to be tension. And we understand there's going to be uh, that problem that we're going to be uh, uh, faced with. But you know what? We expect God to, you know what? Okay, bring us through. Give us a little humor step by step and then wrap it up. And give us, you know, two or three things. If I do this and this and this. We make it to the end. Habakkuk's not like that. In fact, really, it's probably because life is not like that. Um, so as we go through this study, I'm going to tell you ahead of time, I may not have easy answers. In fact, there may not be an answer for what you face. Uh, these questions that we have um, are not going to be simply uh, three-step problems, and they're going to wrap up and be done with and move on to the next thing. Um, so with that being said, uh, let's get into the book of Habakkuk. Um, and let's start with chapter 1, verse 1. Uh, and it opens with this first verse. The burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw. Uh, other words, translations are the oracle, um, uh, the prophecy uh, and the word there uh, that's translated um, uh, in my Bible here as burden or oracle uh, is actually the word masa and uh, masa means an utterance but it means an utterance uh, of doom um, it, it means a a, uh, a burdensome Message, not something easy. It's not just a a uh, greeting. Um, it's not just a revelation, uh, but it is a word that is heavy. It, it's something that is going to weigh on you. And and so it says that that Habakkuk received a heavy word, um, one that uh, that troubled him, and it was one that he didn't like. How many times we expect God to give us light words? In fact, didn't Jesus say, come unto me uh, and, and I will take your burden from you and give you rest? And, and so we expect that God is going to give us just always lightness. And yet that's not the case. Um, he gives us sometimes some heavy things in life. And with this heavy burden, with this, this, this just doom uh, that God speaks to Habakkuk, we see that Habakkuk is the only one of the 12 minor prophets. Now, he's not the only one in the Bible, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but he's the one that he pushes back when God gives him this, this, this revelation of doom. He says, wait a second, God. You know, what is this? You know, hey, I am here for you, but come on, what's going on? Um, I, I expect you to be consistent with your character. And so there was a questioning. And, and we see that, that Habakkuk questions him. He, he's, he's like, God, this doesn't make sense. Um, if you're going to give me a message, then there's got to be uh, some kind of hope and joy and purpose 
that I can see. And of course, that's the whole thing is that he could not see it. We know that there is always that purpose that God knows way more than us, and yet we just are not uh, part of the mystery of God. Um, uh, he says this, he says in verse 2, O Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear? I even cry out to you violence and you do not save. Why do you show me iniquity and you cause me to see trouble? For plundering and violence are before me. There is strife and contention that arises. Therefore, the law is powerless and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous and they perverse the judgment that cannot proceed. He says, God, what you're telling me, I understand, but you're not giving me an answer to it. Um, uh, you, you are not responding in justice. Uh, I want this to be uh, taken care of. I want it to be turned around on them. The wicked should be punished um, so that we might receive life. Not so that we will all be tossed into this, this burden of doom that you have shown me. Basically, it's the same question that, you know, why is this person who has already had three DUIs and yet now again he is drunk and now he rams into another car and kills an innocent four-year-old baby? God, where's the judgment in that? You know, he talks about, you know, look at these people that just sleep around, do whatever they want. They go through so many abortions, even just getting rid of these babies. And yet there's this couple over here who loves you and has tried all their life. And their deepest prayer is just to have one baby. How is that fair? What are you doing, God? I mean, I think of me sending my kids to school, a safe place, and, and yet they went to learn and and they are good, innocent, and yet, you know, some angry 14-year-old runs in and shoots them up with a gun. It seems like justice never prevails. Nothing is turning out fair. This is what Habakkuk is saying. He says, why are you making me look on injustice? Why do I have to live through this and experience it? How many of us have experienced that? And I've used very hard examples, but... How many know that there's even small things in our life that, that, that we question? God, why didn't I get that promotion when I deserved it way more than the other person? Why, why do these people who don't even work hard, they don't even get assigned things, and now I get, I get way more work just because I do it well? That's not fair. Why is that happening? Little things. You know, um, uh, we struggle with that in our marriage. You know, why, why do they don't do this to treat me the way that I treat them this way? Um, there, there's always these questions of unfairness. And really, there's three main problems. There's three main questions that Habakkuk had. First of all, he, he's saying, God, it doesn't seem like you care. God, it doesn't seem like you even care about what's going on. Don't you see this? Aren't you aware of what's happening in my life, what I'm going through? The second thing is we see that it, it doesn't look like you're doing anything about it. Okay, even if you do care, God, 
it doesn't seem like you're doing much when you could do something about it. You see, if you were to ask me, God, I could tell you what you could do. And I understand, God, you're trying to accomplish a lot of things uh, in this world and do this. But you know what? Here, I, I think I could come up with a plan where you could still do that and take care of make things right. You see, we think that, that we could figure it all out and, and we just don't think, God, you're doing what you could do because I know you could do it. So why aren't you doing what you can? And the third thing um, that we, we question is, God, when you do do something, it doesn't seem like you do what's fair. You finally step in and what you do just exacerbates it more you know, that person who, who has gotten away, he actually gets a promotion now. That doesn't even seem fair. When you do do something, God, when you do open a, a door, it doesn't seem to be fair. I'd rather you not do anything than do that. And, and so we deal with these things. Now, here's the question. When we read this from Habakkuk, when he comes against God and says, God, you perverse judgment. He even accuses God of perversing judgment. Now, this is what we ask. Isn't that a scary thing? How can, how can Habakkuk begin to uh, blame God for these things? And we know in our mind, we, isn't all these things a result of sin? Um, so shouldn't he just uh, accept it? And, and I know we wonder, but you shouldn't blame God. How can you question God? Um, isn't God gonna just zap him? Isn't he afraid that God is going to punish him uh, for his questioning? And, and we're going to, this is what we're going to wrestle with because I think this is an important thing of dealing with these things um, that there are times that this questioning of, of, that Habakkuk goes through is exactly what God wants him to do. I think many times we don't question God when he desires us to question, because there is sometimes that it's in the questioning, it's in the wrestling with God that we learn things that we would never learn if we don't wrestle with him. We look back and not only does the name Habakkuk mean to wrestle, but we know the, the person that literally wrestled with God was Jacob. And it was in his time of wrestling with God that God revealed to him his new identity that you are now Israel. Um, and it opened up a whole new life for him. There are times that we need to wrestle with God and, and we see it throughout the word of God. Habakkuk is not the only one that questions God. It is a full third of the Psalms are the psalmist crying out to God, God, why are you doing this? God, I need you to step up and, and, and answer me. Uh, we look in the book of Job. Uh, we know that Job's response was, God, why is this happening? Um, God, what are you doing? I, I'm blameless. I know I did not deserve this. Now, it doesn't mean that he knew that he wasn't uh, perfect and sinless, but he knew that, that this was not a fair consequence in this life. And, and, and so he questioned God. We look at Lamentations, Jeremiah himself, the weeping prophet. Um, you know what? He called God's words poison and bitterness. He said, God, I wish I was not born. Why do you even tell me this? 
God, God, you, you are like, you make me sick is basically what he was saying. Jeremiah, let's put it this way. Jesus himself on the cross, what does he say? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I, I, I think he knew what was coming, but when he actually experienced this devastating separation, there was still a questioning, there was a crying out to God. Why is this happening in my life? You look at his disciples, they questioned him. Thomas questioned him. And yet, they were used by God and God worked in their life to, to make them better than they were before the questioning. And, and so here's my question. What do you do when you see with your eyes things that are different than you believe in your heart from who God should be? When we deal with these things, there's really three different paths that we can take. Um, the first path is a very religious path. And we see a lot of people do this. They go into, and I call it denial. Uh, they go into this positive thinking that things don't make sense, but I'm just going to believe. I'm not going to question God. I'm just going to act as if it's not even happening. You know, it, it, it is a denial of reality because God is bringing them to face a crisis. There is a valley that God has for them to go through, and they're almost refusing to go through it even as they physically experience it, they are not allowing that because they refuse to believe that God would do it. You know what? God said, I'm the head and not the tail. And so I'm not going to go through this. I mean, you know, I, I, that is a twisting. That is a, a corruption of the, the, the use of faith. Faith was never meant to be used that way. Paul, when he said, I can do all things through Christ. If you read it, it says, I can be hungry. I can be hurting and I can be beaten to death and yet I can do it because I accept that it's happening. I'm not going to just uh, say, I'm just going to speak the word of God over and I'm not going to have to go through this. And, and so this denial, this, this positive thinking denial, and I'm not saying that we don't trust God and we, we're going to get there, but this just, this, this ultra extreme use that this could not be God. And I am not, he did not die for me to go through this. Actually, he died that you would go through some of those things. Some of the things in your life that are hard are the very plan of God that he died so that you could go through those because there is a purpose in going through it. So if we just deny it and have this positive view, you know what we do? We, we escape the very tool that God wants to do something in our life. And so therefore, we never receive that, that growth that God wants it to accomplish. And we, and we actually lose out on what God wants us to do when we don't struggle and suffer and, and wrestle with these questions in our life. So God is not calling us to ignore it or even to have some uh, great uh, uh, positive confession over these things because they're really happening. And sometimes the answer is not going to be taken away. You know, Paul said, 
I've asked God three times, and the answer was no. Now, Paul, would you get through it and start dealing with it? Because my, my plan is for you to deal with this, not to somehow in arrogance think that you can claim it away. But the second way we can go is, is less religious. In fact, it's the opposite, is that we move away from the religious and we just say, God, and then I'm done with you. We get mad at God. God, I can't believe you would do this, so you know what? I, I just don't even think I can believe in you anymore, which is stupid because if we didn't believe in him, then why would we get mad at him? And yet we do. So it, 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 it's, it just doesn't make sense, but yet that's a direction we go. We just let go of him and say, I don't want... And, and you know what we do? At that point, we're not wrestling with him anymore. We just, we just say, I'm done with you. And again, we lose out on the work that God is trying to do within us. And so many of us, we walk away from God because we get bitter within. Uh, we cannot accept what God has done. And, and instead of wrestling with it and holding on to him, we just, we're done with him. I'm just going to make the most of my life no matter what then. And again, I think God's heart weeps as those lose out on the very life that God wants to bring through these totally unfair conditions. Yes, God will bring totally unfair conditions because he is trying to bring us into that place of tension. Because it's only in that tension of wrestling with him that we grow and become strong. It's like weightlifting. You know, when you're lifting weights, you're breaking down those muscles. There's pain. But if you just say, I'm, how can you bring pain in my life? I'm just done with it. Well, then sooner or later, we atrophy and we become weak. And then we wonder why we can't live on our own. But here's the third way. And it's the third way is what Habakkuk does. And that's his name. God, I don't understand why this is happening. God, why do you make me look at this? But you know what? But we're going to deal with this. I'm not leaving you. I'm going to hold on to you. We're going to wrestle with this. I am not letting go of you, God. Because see, God, I, I know that you are God and you will answer me. And, and, and this is the, the, the desire that God has. Are you willing to wrestle with me? Are you willing to embrace me? Are you willing to hold on to me? And, and begin a journey of walking through these things with me. You see, I still trust you, God. I trust you, but I, I, I am upset with you and I don't understand what this. but God, we're gonna work this out. I am, I'm not letting go. We are gonna wrestle until something happens. And you see, when we begin to hold on to him, he is then, as you begin to wrestle, he's gonna take your faith, the faith that does not claim it away or wish it away or demand it away, but it's going to become a faith that is broken, but yet stronger in the tension because he will take that plate, that faith to a place of intimacy and trust and security that you never would have ever dreamed possible. And to a place where that faith is so strong and it would never have happened in any other way except through the unbearable burden that God has put upon us. You see, that's why James says in chapter one, verse two, 
Brothers, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Is it fun? Is it what we want? No, of course it's not what we want. Because God, you see my heart. I want, I, I, this is my greatest desire, God. Why can't I have it while other people have that? God says, let it work. You see, you may not understand it, but just trust me and wrestle with me and you just keep working through it because as we work through this and as you trust me and you, you hold on to me, you are gonna become strong and precious and lacking nothing. You see, God is going to do something in you that he could not do any other way. So it's okay to question in fact, I think God demands that we wrestle with him. Um, if we stop on either side, we lose out on this refining fire that God has sent our way. Too many people walk away in this first chapter. You see, this first chapter of Habakkuk is one of just simply wondering. God, I, I'm wondering where you are. I'm wondering what's going on. Uh, sometimes it's just in the wondering uh, that God begins his work. Uh, when we just begin to put our focus on God. You see, if we have a question, don't take it out on others. Let's take it to God. If you're upset, you know, don't, don't get in a, in a mood and take it out on, on the dog and people at work. God says, come to me, come to me, and I will grow your faith. So let's look at, so how did God respond to his questioning? Uh, God responded to this question, and I'm going to tell you, his response is not what Habakkuk wanted to hear. And maybe you, you, you're hearing this, okay, I'm going to wrestle with him, and then he'll give me a good response. Even when you wrestle with God, you're going to find out that sometimes his response Again, is not what you waited for. It's not going to be a sitcom uh, where, okay, we have this wrestling, we have the tension, and then, okay, he's going to respond and everything's going to be good in the end. It's not always the way it works. Again, I don't have an easy answer for you. So let's look at God's response. It starts in verse five. He says, God says to him, look among the nations and watch and be utterly astounded. He says, I'm gonna, here's my response. You're going to be astounded at what I'm going to do. And that astounded is not like an all like, wow, God, you're so great. It's going to be even greater wrestling. It says, when I respond, you're, you thought that was a hard question? Wait till you see how I respond. You're really going to question me. There's going to be such amazement and utter. See, God is, is saying, I am a mystery. It is going to be such a mystery to you that you are in utter amazement. What are you doing, God? But yet until we come into that amazement, there is no revelation of God. So I know this is not easy to accept, but again, are you willing to hold on to God? He says, for I will work in your days which you would not believe, though it were told you. 
For indeed, I am raising up the Chaldeans, in other words, they are the Babylonians, a bitter and hasty nation which marches through the breadth of the earth to possess dwelling places that are not theirs. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity proceed from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards and more fierce than evening wolves. Their chargers charge ahead. Their cavalry comes from afar. They fly as the eagle that hastens to eat. They all come for violence. Their faces are set like the east wind and they gather captives like sand. They scoff at kings and princes are scorned by them. They deride every stronghold for they heap up mounds of earth and they seize it. Then his mind changes and he transgresses. He commits offense, imputing this power to his God. You see, God says, here's my answer. You want to question me? Well, you thought that was bad. And you think the violence that you are seeing around you is bad, Habakkuk? You're wondering why this isn't fair? Well, I'm going to bring people that are even worse than the people you're seeing. I'm going to bring people that, that are even more violent and more despicable and more wicked. In fact, I'm going to prosper them and I'm going to give them power over you. And they are going to come in and destroy you. And this just blows Habakkuk away. God, you are a God who cannot look upon sin, and yet you're going to choose the sinful to destroy us. He said, this does not make sense. He's, he now is almost, I, I just don't understand God at all. And yet, at the same time, this is where we see the result of wrestling. And we might say, you know, he just must, maybe he just wasn't mature enough just to tr fully trust God. No, uh, we know that he was fully in love with God. And yet now we see that Habakkuk responds again to this. And we see this dual nature that God is calling us to. That sometimes a deeply committed Christian can have both uh, simultaneous questions for God and yet faith. Because you see, what God is revealing to him, he's saying, Habakkuk, I know you don't understand, but I've got a purpose. And this purpose is beyond your understanding. So what God is responding to him, he is giving him a revelation that Habakkuk, I know what I'm doing, but just trust me, what I'm doing, you can't understand. And in fact, it seems even worse to you. And so as God reveals that to him, because God will always reveal a, a, a sense of his presence in the midst of the unknown. And, and so Habakkuk responds with, with this dual feeling. And I think we're going to deal with that. that. That, okay, God, this sounds even outrageous, but I'm going to trust in your plan. But at the same time, God, I still can't believe it. I don't understand it, God. And so there's this, there's this tension within us now. It's not just in the experience, but, but God, I, I both trust you and yet I doubt you at the same time. One of the greatest pictures of this is in Mark chapter 9. 
And I think this is where God is trying to get our heart to. Because when we get our heart to this place, even though it seems like it's dual nature, both of those sides of that argument are founded on him. And that's what he's looking for. Someone who is willing to embrace him in the questioning and embrace him in your faith. But in both ways, we're going to embrace God. And you see, that's the only hope I can give you. I know it may not be the answer you're looking for, but we've got to just hold on. In Mark chapter 9, we have the story of Jesus coming to uh, this dad. And this dad's uh, uh, child was suffering and oppressed and struggling. And it broke the father's heart. And he's like, I don't know what to do. And he comes to Jesus, he says, I know you can do something. And Jesus says, you know what? I, I, can, I can totally do something great. But you have to totally believe me. Do you believe that I can do it? And here's this father who is broken. No one else could do anything. What could Jesus really do? And so he, he says, yes, I believe Sort of. You see, there is that, we see that, that, that tension. We know the famous word he said. He said, I believe, but help my unbelief. What is he saying? He's saying, God, I do believe, but I don't believe. And I'm struggling with that. God, I'm being honest with you. I want to believe. Can you help me? And we know that in that case, Jesus did a great miracle. But it was out of the struggle of believing at the same time as doubting. And when we have simultaneous questions, I think it is when those questions and that faith are founded on the same rock that God is able to use that. Let's look at, look at this in Habakkuk. We see the same uh, uh, outcome. Here's Habakkuk's response. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? We shall not die. O Lord, you have appointed them for judgment. O Rock, you have marked them for correction. You are pure you are of pure eyes than to behold evil. You see, Habakkuk is saying, God, you are from everlasting. And, and yet, even when he says that, there's actually, that the phrase there is, is almost a questioning. At the same time, he's saying, God, you are my rock from everlasting. But he's also saying, but God, aren't you the eternal one? So even while I'm, I'm honoring you, I'm questioning, God, Aren't you the one that is supposed to bring hope? And here we see that Habakkuk says, but I know that we shall not die. God, I do trust that you have a purpose and that in your hand, we're gonna get through this. And those that trust you are gonna experience life. But yet, God, aren't you the one that is supposed to bring judgment? And so we see this trust and question at the same time, the simultaneous picture of faith throughout. And so as we 
struggle with chapter one. You know what? You may be in this place of wondering. You may be in this place of struggling with what's going on in your life. But here's the question that God has for you. What are you going to do with what, when what you are seeing is not matching with what you're believing? What's going to be your choice? Are you going to try and hide behind some self-righteous religious uh, faith that, that just claims it, names it, and claims it, and just believes it no matter what I'm going through? I'm going to, and I know we use that one scripture out of context and in a different way where, where things that are not, I'm going to see them as if they are. I'm just going just gonna to believe that this is, this is not what's going on. And miss out? Are we, are we going to stand behind that facade? Or are we going to go the other way and just say, God, I'm just so upset. I, I just, no, no, I just don't accept it. And are we going to get mad at God and be done with him and, and again, lose out? Or today, I, I want to encourage you. In the wondering, will you wrestle with God? So today, I'm just offering you, I'm offering you, Something that is, is not a clear-cut answer, but I'm telling you, when we embrace God and hold on, if you'll just hold on to God and wrestle with these things, God will respond. His response may not always be what we want to hear, but I'm telling you, his response will begin to grow us. His response will always be with his presence. And as we wrestle with God, I'm telling you, it will begin to affect your endurance. It will begin to affect uh, your character. You will find a strength that even though you may not have the answers, you will have a rock to stand upon when others have none. You see, there's always going to be questions. But like we said, the they can either make you better or they can make you bitter. And I don't want to be bitter. And God, I don't understand, but I want to be better. And so just begin to wrestle with God because I'm going to tell you, when you take hold of God and even wrestle with these questions, here's the promise. He will take hold of you. And I'm going to tell you, he will never let go of you. You may want him to let go of you because he's going to take you through some hard things. But I'm going to tell you, there's always an opening at the other end of the tunnel. Take hold of him and he will not let go of you. Let's pray.